Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. I am Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for stopping by. Are you looking for a job? Do you have a job and thinking about quitting? You know, right now there are 4.3 million people who have left their job. They call this the great resignation. I, fe- I feel like I'm in, you know, thinking about the great migration, but we're talking about the great resignation. Here in the United States, that's over 2.4, so probably 3% or more of the population has left their job in the last several months. So what is causing this? Maybe it's you. What are you thinking about? Do you not want to return to work because of COVID? Are you enjoying the fact that you've been working at home for the last year and a half and you just can't see giving that up? Are there better offers just down the street for more money? And so you're switching left and right. There's so many things going on right now that are impacting the employment of within organizations. Those jobs are not being fulfilled and there's a lot of unanswered. There's 11 million jobs out there, 11 million. And 4.3 of you decided to walk away from the ones that you have. So it's really an employee marketplace right now. But the question is, where are they going? Where are you going to find your next job? Well, I'm glad you came here today to listen to this podcast, because maybe we'll have some answers for you. I have Kathy Dawson, CEO of Dawson and Dawson. They specialize and staffing and recruiting. Now, Kathy's going to get into some great thoughts and insights and her perspective on what's going on and things that you can do to help find that next position, maybe even call her. This is going to be a really interesting conversation. It's a great topic. You can read about this article on, on the internet, on in most of the trade magazines and, and consumer magazines. It is hot as a pistol right now because people are wondering why. Why are you leaving? Is it balance of life? Again, you don't want to return to the office. You know, you're burned out. But every time you leave your job after getting recruited, there is a cost to that to the employer. And the cost of resignation is skyrocketing. It's going to be in the billions of dollars. So there's a cause and effect for both the employer and the employee. So don't go away. Stay tuned. Take some notes to help you find your next position or frankly, if you're an employer, to find your next employee. My company, The Ponzi Group, provides consulting, interim, and fractional marketing and leadership services with a focus on the strategic and analytical side of marketing. We take a holistic approach to driving business growth. Consider us your marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, the competition, and the marketplace to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. And, much like a general contractor, we partner with internal teams or carefully selected vetted individuals and organizations to execute the strategies and plans, as well as provide oversight and management to ensure we stay on brand and plan. To learn more about our services, visit theponzagroup.com. Welcome back. As I mentioned, I have Kathy Dawson. She's the CEO of Dawson & Dawson. They are search and staffing experts with over three decades of experience. So this is where you need to be. This is where you need to listen. You're going to hear a lot of great things from Kathy today. 
I'm excited that she's on the show and maybe to help you find your next long-term secure position. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, Angelo. Yeah, this, you know, this topic that we're going to talk about today that I'm going to, I'll frame it as many people are on the internet, the great resignation and, <laughs> and, and really job work and security and all those kinds of things that go along with it. There, there's been a tremendous evolution, if you will, an event, a phenomena that's going on. So we're really going to, I want to dig into that a little bit and get your insights. But before we start, why don't you tell the audience about you and about Dawson and Dawson? Who's the other Dawson, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question and one I will definitely answer. (laughs) All right. Well, why don't you take a moment and tell the audience about yourself and your business and uh, put things in context for today's conversation. Sure. Well, um, I guess the most important thing to your listeners is that I have a little bit of experience doing this, and uh, that would be 38 years. (laughs) Just a little. (laughs) Just a little. Uh, October 15th, which was just last week, was my 38th year in the industry. So that's kind of exciting. There isn't anything I haven't seen in 38 years of doing it. Um, so that's the good news about working with someone like me is that you get every every feature, every option is already been set done, said and done. So, so Dawson and Dawson really started because of a long term sort of feeling I had. Um, so just imagine yourself being a 16 year old and going through uh, going home and seeing your parents crying and wondering what's going on with my parents. They don't cry. What's going on? And then as a 16 year old, finding out they're going to divorce. And it was the end of our world, basically. We had five kids in my family, big Catholic family, uh, military chief in the Navy and RN nurse. You know, it was the salt of the earth. We were very involved in our church and everything. And to find out that all of that just ended that day was very, um, very, very bad. You know, it was a very bad thing for our family. So fast forward to me looking for a job in Southern California after being married in Georgia and the East Coast and being there for a bit and then getting a job in recruiting and staffing and then doing so well and having a 38 year career when I finally did some marketing download with somebody such as yourself, Angelo, we discovered that it was because of that time when I was 16 years old that I am so passionate about helping people find work. Because the reason why they divorced is because my dad left the Navy and he couldn't get a job. He Mm -hmm. looked and looked and looked. It was over a year. And this is a man who's always taking care of his family and worked two jobs and had his own business and he couldn't find work. I'm getting chills just talking about it because it still makes me emotional today. Um, So I came to California with the job transfer of my husband's and couldn't transfer with the telephone company. I had been there five years, thought I would retire there and responded to this little teeny ad said, personnel, do you work well with people? And you can tell from my personality that I do work well with people. So so that was That was the beginning of my 38 year career, soon to be hopefully 45 or 50 year career at some point. But um, and I just loved it. So so matching people to good jobs because they are the right match is what I do. And I always was kind of a matchmaker growing up. You know, I'd had friends and I matched them up with other people and even business connections and that kind of thing. I always naturally felt an instinct about people and what they'd be good at, although I didn't know it then. Right. But that's really what it was. So once I got into this business, it was uh, 1983 and there were no computers. We had phones and we had the library to do research. (laughs) I mean, it was pretty bad back then. And so what I ended up doing is becoming super resourceful. You know, you do what you got to do. Right. 
So, um, so the search and staffing business back then was very different. Um, I remember calling companies saying, hey, we have a new way of hiring somebody. Would you like to hear about it? <laughs> because they didn't understand what staffing really did back in the day. So, mm-hmm. so the good news is, is that's where my foundation was. And that's why I'm motivated to do what I do. And the even better news is, is that I've had an amazing career for 38 years. And like I said, I'm going to continue on with that. Um, so why do I like staffing? What does Dawson and Dawson do? We really take great pride in making one placement at a time to make the world a better place. And that's our theme and our mantra, one placement at a time to make the world a better place. So how do we do that is really what we're going to talk about today, I'm sure, because we do a lot of extra work that people don't know about. Um, but matching and making sure we're doing the right thing for the candidate and the client is really what we do. We get paid a fee when we do it successfully, uh, but we don't really care about the fee as much as we care about the match because we know that that in turn will make the company grow. And then they're going to use us for hiring and more and more people. And it's just a win-win for everybody. Sure. Well, great work begots great work, right? So people learn to trust you and understand and your process, you know, in, in so many, and, and I think, I think it was you and I talking about that. I, as a fractional chief marketing officer and a strategy officer, I had the opportunity to manage a talent acquisition group. Yes. And, you know, it was, and part of that was because I, I saw the people, how they were hiring and the people that were coming in. And so there, there really is, I mean, it's not, I got a job application, go find somebody who's going to fill it, right? Because I mean, I could walk down the street and find somebody to raise their hand. As we know, they're probably going to quit in three months anyway. But, but you know, it's it's that understanding the company, the culture, the, right. what the what the function of the job is that needs to be done, and then finding the person to do that. And that's I want to say it's part science, it's part art. Would you agree yeah. with that? Oh, I totally do. I'm, I'm grinning from ear to ear, even though our listeners can't see it, because that is exactly how we do our matching is based on culture. So you hit the nail on the head there, Angelo. I'm so excited for you. You're like so advanced, more than most companies, right? <laughs> they don't get that, you know? So yes, the culture is key to growing any business and in, and gaining loyalty and long-term employees. You have to have the right culture. And we do have a story we'll get into probably later about the culture change that Dawson and Dawson had just about three years ago and how it helped us get through this terrible time we've been in. So, but yes, culture, absolutely. And it's not just about the skills. The skills are really just 25% of a hire. 75% of it is based on culture. And that's a lot of different things. Sure, sure. Well, someone can have, you know, a wide, you know, a lot of arrows in their quiver when it comes to experience, but, you know, they could be extremely difficult. And and, and I've run into that where you go, wow, this guy's really talented. And you put him in a room and you go, oh my God, I couldn't hire this guy in a million years. He he already, and I think I might've told you the story is, uh, you know, that the guy we were interviewing, the chief technology officer and the CEO was, was a woman. And his old boss was a woman. And one of the things he said, he goes, yeah, she was really difficult. So I started recording her. And, you know, right then and there, I was like, <laughs> you're, you're done, buddy, because there's no way you're going to stay here. So oh there is God. a lot of that. And, and I do want to kind of get into that. But I think the place I want to start is, is because I, I, I think there's confusion. I mean, we read about it every day. We hear about it every day. And frankly, there's a bewilderment. Um, among myself and other people of where are all these people that are resigning going, right? So that it's called the great <laughs> resignation. I, I, this clip I had here is in the United States alone, 4 million employees quit their job in July of this year. It's about 2.9% of the population. And 
the question I have is where are they going? What is the driver <laughs> of this of this you know phenomena that's happening? I mean, is it the pandemic? Is it they got a taste of working at home and they don't want to do this back to work life balance, which we could have a conversation all day long about work life balance. We've always been trying to achieve that. That's the brass ring, right? But uh, unfortunately, it slipped through a lot of fingers. And and so are they these employees? Um, confusing or not confusing, but are they really not thinking this through that there's some bigger brass ring out there? A lot of stuff I just threw at you. Go. <laughs> <laughs> we interview the same way, Angelo. Just give it to him and let him go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, well, I will tell you that in August, it jumped to 4.3 million. So wow. it's even getting worse, you know, than what we already are. And it's, it's worse than I've ever seen it. Again, I said I had 38 years experience. I have never seen it this way in 38 years. So about every seven years, every business ebbs and flows, you know, and you have rough times. And as a business owner, you kind of assume that's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, you're going, yes, that's awesome. But if it does happen, you're prepared for it. And that's what business owners do. They, they, they're like an insurance policy, right? They look mm -hmm. through the future to say, how can I protect my, my company and my people? So where are they going is a great question, though. Um, 11 million of them of jobs are open, just so you know. And wow. we have four and a half practically million reasons that are, that are resigning and not going back. So where are they going? Lots of places. Amazon would like you to know they're going there. <laughs> <laughs> you see their commercials, right? And uh, and I could they, could they hire somebody to throw throw my package onto my porch? That's right. That's exactly right. The, and they're trying to say work life and, you know, benefits and all these things. You see the commercials on TV and they're right to do what they're doing. Of course, Amazon has all this money and research behind everything they do. So when Amazon does something, you kind of assume that they put the, the money behind the decision. And it's true. You know, they are people are really saying, I'm not going to get on that hamster wheel again. I am going to work and I'm going to have a quality of life. And if I'm going to be a professional, let's say an attorney or a CPA or a business owner, I'm going to be the best. I possibly can be, but I'm going to remember that number one is my family and or number two is this, that, and the other, right? Whatever their, their things are, their nonprofits and all of that. And before I can speak to this to myself too, because three years ago, I was one of those people and I was on the hamster wheel and I worked probably 12 hour days. That was a short day for me. And I loved working. So it wasn't a problem. I wasn't negative about it. I just realized after getting off of that, wow, I probably saved 20 years of my life by, by COVID coming for me. And that's a strange thing to say, but it's the reality. So a lot of these people are doing the same thing. They're going, okay, I'm working for less money than I'm getting paid on unemployment in some cases, right? The lower end people. And my employer is not treating me fairly. They're making me come into work. They're making me do the hard jobs or this, they're that, the other. So they're not really feeling like they're being supported by their current employers. And so, you know, and, and they always say, and I know you know this, that you either stay or go based on your manager. So there's a lot of first line managers that aren't so great out there. And especially in all this stress, can you imagine being with PPP, you know, products and trying to get that stuff out and the stress and the pressure and saving lives. And I mean, I'm just getting stressed thinking about it, right? Let alone uh -huh. being that person and then getting paid 20 bucks an hour or less. It just doesn't equate, right? And so they have someone saying, come here and open this coffee shop or, you know, sell greeting cards on the internet or be do an e-commerce business or, you know, they're doing something that is different and they're attracting those people. So this happens every recession though. So this is not unusual. This is the normal way of go, things that the way they go. 
So anytime you either get laid off or you choose to quit and you can't find another job, you have to work because you need the income, right? So what do they do? They do whatever is available. So they'll do, you know, anything that is going to fit into their schedule. The real goal though for them is to find something more meaningful and more aligned with their vision and culture that they can support is what we're seeing in the, all the artificial intelligence is being done. So, um, so there are some lots of women-owned businesses that are that start during these times. I'm a women-owned business, so I, I was part of that whole WeBank women-owned business, uh, WPO Women's Presence Organization. There's a lot of women businesses, and they did say that the stats were that women resigned at a high, much higher rate and did not go back to work much more than the men in their same class, right? So, so we knew that that was true, but there are statistics to show it. Mm-hmm. Um, so these people are saying, "Hey, I'm going to be at home anyway. I might as well do something I really like," and they're being Coming creative. Um, the hybrid role and the remote roles are definitely, Angelo, playing a piece into all of this. So we place, you know, gosh, I don't know how many people, but a lot of people. And um, those people, when we're calling them to offer them jobs today, are saying, is it hybrid or is it remote? Because I'm not going to go in the office full time anymore. I'm not doing that. And a lot of law firms, a lot of CPA firms are doing the same thing. And we thought that that would never happen in my industry because they're so strict and so stringent. But we, our firm, as I said, did a change also. And we're doing the same thing that the CPAs and the law firms are doing. And that is we're just we're just rating people based on their deliverables and the outcomes, right? So if you get your job done, we don't care how you do it. We don't care. We want you to do it legally, ethically, and morally. But other than that, just get it done. If you have problems getting your job done, you should reach out to somebody and have us help you. So that's what the attorneys and CPA firms are doing as well. They're going, hey, this guy or gal can do this CPA business, whether they're in the comfort of their own home office or if they're in a corporate office. Now, the hybrid roles are interesting. I believe that's the best way to do it, in my opinion, because you still get the people together from time to time. You're still out remotely, but you have this wonderful ability to still connect with others. So hybrid, remote, women-owned business, business owners in general, uh, part-time jobs where they're going back to school. These are all the things we're seeing of where people are going. And in some cases, several that I know personally, they're retiring early. I have a friend who's 52 and she, her last day is going to be December 31st, she said. Oh, and she has her. a plan. She's going to Florida. She's retiring and they're 50 something, you know, so and they're just going to do that because they want to do it and they don't want to work in this workforce anymore. Um, so that's a good thing for them. Mm-hmm. Do you think this this is um, a short term or a long term or a forever term that the, so the way this is going to work in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, if I had a crystal ball, which I don't. <laughs> if you do, I, I give me the lottery numbers for tonight, will you? <laughs> exactly. I would say it's here to stay. It's a permanent thing. And eventually, like there is one CPA firm I'm working with right now, and the leader of that particular division of that CPA firm is not pro remote or hybrid at all. And he's needing to hire a staff account or an accountant and we can't find someone to do it. And the reason why is because they won't allow her a hybrid, even a hybrid. And so the lady I'm working with, who's the administrator there, she's saying he's going to have to get with the program. We know this is going to be a problem. So she knows that the people know it, but the higher ups need to know it. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to um, to get to that realization. You know, my husband's our CFO in our company and, you know, he's the Naval Academy guy and he's super smart. And his opinion before this all happened was, how can we tell if they're working if we don't watch them work, you know, and see the production and they, they can't have the camaraderie and the learning that goes with that, you know, office environment. And I, I was skeptical as well. And I said, you know, it's about the people and we've really hired great people. So we have to see this through and see if it can work. And we've been pleasantly surprised. 
is there ways to, um, I look at productivity mm-hmm. and in the sense that people that are productive, I mean, there's that old adage. I don't care if it takes you one hour or eight hours, as long as your work gets done, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. And there's those that say it's an eight hour day. I can't find you for seven of them. And <laughs> yeah, you might be productive, but I mean, are you really that productive? So are there any kind of guidelines in how senior level can manage those remote workers and not sit there and say, I, I can't find you, or, you know, I asked you to do something and I don't hear from you for two days. And, you know, what are some kind of tips and tricks that you might suggest at this point in time? Well, I'm not an HR consultant. I'm a recruiter. However, I have lots of great HR consultants who can answer that. And they have a whole package of offerings to give to somebody that would be listening to this podcast. So, and I'm happy to make that referral. However, I will tell you just quickly a Cliff Notes version of all of that. And that is employee engagement and caring about them. So if your people that are listening to this podcast are not doing one-on-ones with their direct reports, they're really failing. And they need to do that every couple of weeks because that's the check-in time to find out if they're doing well, if they're not doing well. And when they're either working remote or hybrid, there's a lot of things that go on in their lives that they don't really know about. And those conversations should be started out by how are you today, Angelo? How's it going? How's your child? How's your wife? How's your dog? How's your grandbaby or whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. that is in your life that's important at that time. And they need to really mean it. They need to care about the empathetic. Exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, Again, they come and go based on managers. So if you're having turnover right now, it's not just the money. It's not just the hybrid. It's how are you onboarding and treating the employees? They are your best asset. You know, I, 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 I think there's three ways to run a successful company. And those three ways, the first thing is you got to have a good idea, right? So if you don't have a good idea, you're not going to be able to market it for them. Nothing's going to happen, right? It's a loser idea. It's going to be a loser company. The second thing is you got to have funding, right? So you got to have money because how are you going to pay that those great people if you don't have any money and you're, you're, you know, you're in business? And the third thing is exactly what I do. It's people. Without the right people and the, seats, the right seats in the bus, right, as right. Uh, my buddy would say, um, it, you definitely want to make sure you have that. And you need to pay for it in some cases, especially now. We have over 300 open job recs, and we usually run about 150 or so. And so we're doubled in what we have. And the, we have a, a capacity problem. I just hired a new director in Denver, Colorado, who worked with me in the past, who's amazing. And I have two other directors. So we have this great system set up, but the people that are working with us, the clients, we're recommending to them that they pay whatever they need to pay the next year to get top talent, whatever they need to pay. Then in that next year, evaluate where that person actually is. Are they worth the money you spent on them? You'll have a year to evaluate that. Mm -hmm. And if they are, you keep them. If they're not, we're going to see another reshuffling going on because there's a great reshuffling that we didn't discuss yet either. And that's people coming and going and relocating and still working where they were and that sort of thing. So, so it's going to be an interesting thing in one year, because in my opinion, again, by crystal ball, I am uh, saying that in one year, we're going to see a lot of people leaving because they're not going to be worth the money that we've spent on them. And that's just normal business. Sure. Yeah. And and actually one of my uh, notes here was that something I read about people are offering big signing bonuses to get. Yes, they are. (laughs) So that really kind of follows what you're saying. Get them on board and and then deal with it. Yes. The um, the levels that this is impacting. I mean, you've got, I'll say entry, you've got your, you know, middle, middle managers and sort of senior leadership. Is this up and down the, the employee chains 
or is this really focused on a particular segment of employees? And also, is it driven by any particular sectors, market sectors? It's definitely all up and down. I mean, we're looking at McDonald's can't find workers, right? And they require zero experience. And they're actually, some of the retail stores now are getting robots to do the work because they can't find the people, which is going to help our technology sector really grow at Mm -hmm. a tremendous rate. So everything happens for a reason. I feel like, you know, the ebb and flow of business. Again, I've been in it a long time. And uh, when you look back, you go, oh, that's why that happened. You know, (laughs) now I get it. And in this, the robot, the technical manufacturers, all of that, they're starting to really make it easier to, to produce things and get things done. Uh, from call centers that are on, instead of talking to somebody in like a, a McDonald's, you you usually are talking to somebody in the building, but you, the, the other ones are having them talk to somebody in Shanghai. And they're saying, what would you like? You know, what's your order? So the cost of hiring people is so expensive here in the US, they're outsourcing it to other countries. And, and that's how they're getting away with being able to run their businesses. I've been to several restaurants that are just the regular lunch kind of, you know, stop by real quick ones, and they were closed. And the reason why is they didn't have enough staff. So so it's definitely lower level, higher level as well. I'll say on the C level, we do some, some uh, retained search also. Um, that's an interesting phenomena because I think it's about the same as it used to be, but the difference is what do they bring to the table that's different? So if you aren't into, you know, cost savings and manufacturing processes and, you know, streamlining and people and all those things, then you're going to be left out. The person is going to get the job today at that high level is going to come in with a team of people like you and me and, you know, the HR people and, uh, you know, all the other people that help them get things done. And they're going to hire experts to do it so they don't have to pay the internal salaries. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're smart like that. And then they learn. And then when they're done with us, they're done. They don't have to keep paying us. So it's a good thing. So that's what people are doing. They're just kind of figuring out what level they're coming in at and they're analyzing what they need to, to be for that client. And then they're um, going in like DEI is really big right now. You know, I place some HR directors and if they don't have them, if they're not mastered on the culture and the DEI, then it's not going to work because these companies have a lot to think about now visibility wise on how they're ebbing and flowing with bringing on talent and retaining them. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I, I mean, I've certainly seen from a fractional CMO standpoint, I mean, it's it, my business has certainly in, increased in my um, relationships. I mean, literally across the country, um, because to your point, they can bring in a senior level talent, yeah. do what they need to do, eventually figure out if they want to hire somebody, which usually happens, um, or they can extend it. Uh, I'm dealing with a company back east and their fractional VP of sales has been working with them for 18 months. Mm. They have no reason to bring on somebody full time the way the business is structured. So, yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. the dynamics of what's going on is very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. So from your business, how how has all this kind of reshaped your business and your thinking? That is such a good question. And if you asked me three or four years ago, if I'd be where I am today, I would have said no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we'll talk about about six or eight months before COVID hit, you know, and I knew that that I needed to do something different with my company. I felt like um, we were a little bit on the stale side. Uh, 13 years is how long we've been in business. And, you know, you, after 10, you know, you kind of want to do different things. And we rebranded and did all the things that you would have wanted us to do. And we had this new, fresh vision and uh, all of that. 
yes, now then we needed to sort of figure out what we were going to do with our employees and what was the strategy. Because in search and staffing, there's lots of strategies and, and you can make money doing almost any of them. <laughs> a lot is if you do it really well, a little if you don't. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, and the strategy that I had in the past was one that I was raised in corporate America. And, you know, I worked for a company for 24, 24 years, 25 years before I came into this business myself. And I was like, you know, I've got to do something different here. And so um, what we were doing is we were having more volume, you know, more connects and more uh, assignments, but they were all over the place. And so when we did an assessment of really looking at where our value lied in our client client's worth, as you would have us do as an exercise, I'm sure, uh, we realized that, you know, those were great sort of uh, feeder jobs into getting the bigger jobs, but they weren't really the way we made the most money. Mm -hmm. So we actually stopped doing that. And then we started doing more of the, the middle and then the high end. And we do the feeder jobs, we call them with our clients because we care and we want to help them hundred percent, but we don't take jobs from strangers or people who are even referred that are the lower end. So that's helped us a great deal, be more time efficient. So, uh, so what we did basically is a huge culture change. So we went after COVID, we had somebody's uh, relative who did get the, the COVID. And so we came in and then we went out and then we came in and then we went out. So we did that twice in the beginning. And then we just said, you know, it's working remote. Let's just let it stay remote. I still have an office I'm paying rent on, by the way, I have a year and a half left on my lease, <laughs> but uh, we only go there very rarely. So so, so what we did is we decided to do that 100% remote work. And then we also um, put in an unlimited vacation and time off policy because we felt like people needed to be able to be flexible and do what they wanted to do with their families. And then we started doing a culture thing called Friday Fun Days. And it's really interesting how that has bonded us together as a team. And so um, the Friday Fun Days is about what last weekend, last Friday it was, what really bugs you? So what's something that really bugs you? You know, and you find out a lot when someone says it's a bug oh, yeah. One of the gals said, I hate when people put their dogs in strollers. Why does that happen? That's ridiculous. You know? <laughs> I, actually, things, I hate that too. Yeah, it was <laughs> well, at least like, I don't hate it. I, I, I wonder why. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then so you do those kinds of things with your team and it's all on Zoom. We're not in person, you know, and it's wonderful. I mean, I almost feel like I'm hugging them at certain points of that Friday fun day Uh, and we laugh and just bond and connect. Right. So we don't we spend an hour just during Friday fun day, not even working. Then at the end of the meeting, we talk about the business at hand and, you know, let's chop, chop, let's make it happen. And then we usually have one or two events a month that one of the employees will do. So tomorrow we're making challah bread. And uh, we're all getting our recipes together and we have a gal who's coordinating it and she, we did it last year and uh, it was really fun. And so we thought we would do it this year and we're doing it with keto bread now as well, if you want. So it's just fun to have somebody take responsibility of one of your employees and to see a project go from beginning to end and see how much joy it gives to everybody. So I think that, and then training, you know, we do a lot of training. So my company was destined to just produce, right? And then keep going. And then what we did is we just stopped it pretty quick. We hired some other new directors, had some fresh perspectives, fresh ideas. And then we have this leadership team now that we're working with Paul Worth on, who is our coach. And he's the most Paul. amazing guy. Yeah, he's so good. And um, he, he does so much for us. And he's been very helpful because he's been with us this the, the entire time. So, um, so now we are this well-oiled machine. We have training, we have processes, we have engagement, we have 
work, uh, work life balance. One of my directors is in Michigan for three weeks working full time because she can, and her parents are going to doctor's appointments and all these things. And it's just the most amazing thing that we can do that for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And are they not going to be loyal to us if we do that for them? Of course they will. I mean, I think I have a team right now that will be with me until they retire. I mean, that's how good they are. So anyway, um, we do retreats Mm -hmm. and, you know, peoples and processes and all that. So we're, we do say what we, what we, we actually do what we say we do. That's probably the best way to say it. Okay. Have kind of this evolution for you as a business training and things like that, have, have these caused you to bring new products and services to your company, to your, to your clients? Yes, we have gone into other types of placement that we normally would not have because of the relationship we've had with the client or the referral. So like you said, you got this gig, you know, somewhere else pretty far away and you're doing it. It's going really well. We're doing the same thing. So some medical placements, um, some uh, some different placements, like we place somebody in Puerto Rico and, you know, so really interesting services. And these are with clients, though, that are using us for mainstream, but we're just allowing ourselves to do more for them. So we're going deeper, not wider with the client. What has been kind of the biggest challenge in the sense of finding people? I mean, you know, four point, would you say 4.2 million, 3. 3 million people are out there looking, you know, and 11 million jobs that are 11 million filled. jobs. So, you know, it's a, it's an employee market at this point in time. Yes, and, and so how do you find them though? How, how, knowing that people are, you know, standing on a street corner selling lemonade these days because they give them balance. But how do you find them? How do you find people for the? the I the, heard for, coffee, but not lemonade. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh so God, how do you find awesome. the right people? You know, that is such a great question. And it's the answer is different for each of our clients, right? Of what, where they should go to find people. Uh, but since we are a search and staffing firm, we have a great applicant tracking system and our database is really big and wide. Since I've been doing it for so long, that's the first place we go is to people that I already know. And um, then we ask referrals from those people. If they're happy where they're at, you know, get referrals. So it's 75% referral based for us, Angelo at Dawson and Dawson. And that's on purpose. That's by design. Now we do put ads in from time to time because there are people who relocate, maybe don't know who we are, or, you know, they just are, you know, they just aren't as worldly in the job of looking for jobs. And so we do that, some of that, but um, most importantly, you know, we are, um, we're always looking to get referrals. So the other thing we do, which a lot of companies don't do these days, which I think is crazy, but it makes our company better is direct recruiting. So if Angela, one of your clients wanted to hire someone as a marketing assistant for you or a marketing manager for you or something, somebody who you could train, you know, uh, in that role, we would say, okay, Angela, where, where do you want them to come from? What kind of company, what service, what products did you have? You know, do they need to have e-commerce, they, you know, all these things, right? So we had developed this sort of screening uh, profile list. And then we'd go directly to, if you wanted construction manufacturing, we'd go to those companies and call those marketing people and say, hey, you know, if you're looking for something to better yourself, this might be a good opportunity for you, you know, or do you know of somebody? And that's really how the real recruiting happens. But most people, Angelo, do not do that. What they do is they put ads in, see who they get, and they send you the ads, which you can do yourself. So you really need to ask that question when you're working with the search and staffing firm. How do you find your people? And um, if they put, say, put ads everywhere, then I would keep calling <laughs> because you can do that yourself. Yeah, exactly. You know, w- w- you're an entrepreneur. Definitely. What keeps you up at night when you think about growing your business? 
That's such a good question. You've got great questions here. (laughs) Let's see. I lose sleep at night because I'm not filling all the jobs. That's what keeps me up at night right now. Uh, Before it was people in my company or certain clients. But right now at this point in my career, 38 years in it, having over 300 jobs and 14 amazing recruiters that do, uh, I mean, they do like, I have 28 people, I should say, because that's how hard they work. Um, so it's really not filling all the jobs because there's a, a real problem as you, I know, you know, Angela, that you want to, um, under promise and over deliver, right. Versus over promise and under deliver. And I'm very cognizant of that. I do not want to say I can do something when I may not be able to. And so when I take a job opening today, I'll say to the company, how important is this to be filled to your success? And where do you see that, you know, three, five years down the road to your culture and your vision? And if they don't have the right answers, then I back away from the bus because I know that that placement is probably not going to stay because they need to have a leader who gets what they're what they're doing and can impart that wisdom to them and teach and train and lead them to go to the next place. So so I worry about not filling jobs. And so when I take a job like yesterday, I got a referral from provisors and it was for a uh, oncology salesperson, three of them in the U.S., very difficult to recruit for. And before I just took it, I had an intake call with the referral source and said, tell me more, tell me more. And then I had one of my directors on the call. We said, well, what do you think this, you know, we really brainstormed to see, is this the right thing for us to be doing? And we're still not sure because it's just a referral. So he doesn't know the inner workings of the company. Mm -hmm. So we have a call scheduled, I think for tomorrow with a a CFO of that uh, medical manufacturing company that does great work in oncology that I would love to be part of because I love, you know, fighting cancer in a variety of ways. And so we're not just taking it though, is why I'm saying that, you know, sharing that story with you, because we need to make sure because no matter what, if I don't fill a job, I still feel bad. (laughs) Even if, even if it's, you know, unrealistic and all that, I still want to provide them with great results. So I do a lot of why do we need to, why do you need that? Why do you think that's so important? You know, who had that in the past that you thought was really good? And then I try to help them make those decisions so that they're not um, hurting themselves and really tying their hands and hiring a good person because they think they need to have something that may be not as relevant. So, so I think that's really the, the, the thing for me. And so I'm working daily on filling those jobs. I'm recruiting myself right now, which I normally don't do. And I've hired two more recruiters just on contract to help us because, you know, that's, it's really a great problem to have. And, um, but it's a, it's a problem. I, I, again, lose sleep at night over it. So. Well, I, I like that you said that. I mean, it, it there, there's a capacity issue, obviously, and and by kind of doing this filtering and inquiry that you do when somebody's engaging you, you can say, yeah, this isn't right for us, or you know, I really can't help you, or you know, frankly, you're not thinking clearly, and this is doomed <laughs> to fail, and and uh, because you really can't guarantee that you hire somebody, they're going to stay, even stay for a short period of time. So, and there's really a, a cost of this resignation that a lot of companies don't talk about, right? I mean, it's could be in the billions. Oh, and, yeah. and I remember when when we were hiring people for my agency, I mean, we figured if we couldn't keep them there, I mean, between the hiring cost, the training cost, yeah. and they were out the door, depending on their salary, I mean, it could be on an average of $10,000 that we lost just, but but for me, it was as, as one of the senior leaders, it was not only about the money, it was about we let them build relationships with our clients and then they quit. And that sent a bad message to our yeah. clients is you can't keep yeah. people. So we were really yeah. tough in scrutinizing hires yeah. and who interfaced with clients and who didn't. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, in the old days before my time, just to be clear, but in the old days in staffing, <laughs> horse and buggy they used, days, <laughs> they used they used to, yeah, they used to have desk names for the same reason you just mentioned. So what they would do is they would have, this is the Kathy desk. This is the John desk. This is the, you know, Cheryl and Tim desk. And if you were a guy or a gal, you've got to sit in that desk and then you were Tom or Jer- Cheryl, whoever you were. And then they never knew when you changed, they supposedly, but I obviously we're big in relationships these days. So that would never work. But That's way funny. back when, when it was more like automated, you know, you yeah. could just put people in with different names. <laughs> That's funny. I, I never heard that. that. That's hysterical. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the great reshuffling. Yes. So wh- what is that? <laughs> so that's an interesting phenomenon. You can Google it. And actually I did before I came on board and it does give a good description of it. So if any of your listeners want to find out more, they can do that. But the great reshuffling happened, started happening around March, April of this year. And that was the realization that COVID was a year into it. And I've been living, uh, working, uh, living and or not working and working remotely. Um, and so where do I really want to be and what do I really want to do? And they've had time with their families and their kids and their grandparents and all that. And a lot of them, about 30% is what the statistics say, have decided that you know, living in Southern California, which is where we live, is too expensive. If they're going to be working remote from their home anyway, why would they pay, you know, millions of dollars for a home when they can spend a couple hundred thousand in, in Idaho, you know, over the sure, same home? Sure. So that's what they're doing. They're going back to family and friends or even just in areas that they've always been attracted to. And there's they're living in Airbnbs first is what they're doing. And then they're seeing if they want to stay and then they're getting homes. In some cases, they're going back to the home. I mentioned my one of my directors is in Michigan for three weeks. You know, she uh, she could be living in Michigan and that, that would be totally fine if she wanted to do that. So the reality is, is that that's what's happening. You know, the, the phenomena of reshuffling is going where you want to be for less money so you can make more and then provide more for your family and have a better quality of life, which sounds great when you think about it, right? It sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, 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 as soon as you started talking, I under, I knew exactly what you were saying. I just did for whatever reason, I never heard it framed as uh, the great reshuffling. Yeah. So let's, I love stories. I'm a storyteller. So why you don't are. you tell me a couple stories, good, bad, the ugly, whatever you want to share. Obviously you don't need to name the client, but examples <laughs> of, of kind of successes or surprises you thought maybe you placed the perfect person and the culture got in the way. I'm going to let you tell the story. But you know. <laughs> well, I thought you might ask something like that. So I kind of had a couple of clients in my mind, you know, of, of ones that are are good clients. So if your listeners are inclined to need some staffing and hiring services and search and so forth, they would know, you know, what I do a little bit better because I story does tell it in a thousand words, right? So, mm-hmm. so basically, um, one of the companies is a medical company, and they do EAP, so employee assistance programs. Mm-hmm. And that's really big right now, as you can imagine, because there's a lot of people who are having some, you know, challenges with all of this. And so we were able to be referred into this client and um, the client, when I first met with them, because back in the old days, meaning before COVID, we used to go visit clients in person. And that was my process. I had to go there within 24 to 48 hours. I had to see the office environment. I had to make sure that it was, you know, a good run organization that people had smiles on their faces and that I wasn't going to place somebody in a terrible place. 
And if they were in Idaho, they flew me there or they would take me with their laptop or their phone and introduce me around so I could get a vision of the culture. So this particular company was one of those that I did that with. I went and saw them and looked at the culture and went, "Mm, this is interesting. And they were in an acquisition uh, frenzy at that time. So they had one company that they were all part of. And then he started buying up all these other companies throughout the United States. And they were having challenges with finding people and and integrating them into their company. Because a lot of M&A activity leaves for concern, you know, for some people, especially the people that are the old school ones that probably are going to go anyway, and they know it, you know. So, um, so this particular company, we started out by placing an HR person, and then we started placing uh, people as 100% remote people that take these phone calls when the, the employees are calling because they need some employee assistance. And they have to be compassionate and hardworking and dedicated and very, uh, to, they need to know whether to refer them to an emergency call or, you know, if they, if, how they can be onboarded with their problem. And so that was really gratifying for our team because we got to place people all over the United States. We got to know that they were really really helping people's mental health uh, there as well. And we knew that that was a really big problem. And so we have since placed a marketing director there for a nice income. We've placed, you know, lots of people there. They're a great client. So what is good about them is the fact that they realized they needed help and they realized that they needed help in a company that was like ours. It's a boutique that can do it nationwide because they were hiring the same people just in different states. So why Mm -hmm. hire five agencies to go do that for you when you can hire one, right? Um, So that was a success story because they actually allowed us to contribute, be a partner and make suggestions and go through the process with them that is our process and they like that and so they they went with it. So the reason why that's a good client is because they care about their employees and they care about having a good partner like us and working together. So that's a great story. And then there's another one that was interesting. I found this uh, one of the uh, d- decision makers at a networking event that I went to in HR. And this was probably 10 or 11 years ago. And it was kind of a dormant client for a while. And it um, we got little jobs here and there, which was great. I knew there was so much more that wasn't we weren't getting. And so with the co- with COVID happening and a new hire happening in that area, the relationship, again, much deeper, much wider, we now have Uh, about 100 job recs for that one company, and they're working with us exclusively. And the reason is that relationship. So the the decision maker and myself think alike, you know, I understand what she's thinking, she understands what I'm thinking. And we both agree. Now, even if I didn't agree with her, I would agree with her for her because it's her that matters, not me, right. Mm -hmm. But I would just make sure she knew what my concerns would be about what her decision is, so that she has all the facts. Because one thing I've learned in all these years, and you probably being a consultant too, is that my opinion is my opinion. And it's what I've seen what they do with it is up to them. And it's okay either way. Uh, So both of these clients saw things clearly the way I thought they should. And when they made the changes that we agreed to together, they saw an increase in their hiring, a satisfaction of their HR people and their managers that are hiring and a great result. So she did a study, of course, because they're all about stats and you know hiring. And our people stayed longer. Our people were better than anybody else they ever worked with, which is why they ended up working with us exclusively. Um, so those are two great stories. Yeah, those are great. And, and you said a, a word in there, and I want to make sure I bring this to the forefront and, and use the word relationship. Ultimately, it's about building relationships, right? You, it, you can go, you know, provide a service, but if you don't have a relationship with your client or the people within there, it, it, it's a commodity, right? Yeah, somebody yeah. else did it and somebody else yeah. can do it. And, but it's about yeah. that relationships and that trust building 
and having the confidence that you can deliver and, you know, it, but you work with them, right? You give them great advice to your point. They could take it. They could not take it. There's right. you know, can't even count how many times, you know, we spent months developing something and then they go, okay, this is great. And six months later, they're off doing something completely different. So unfortunately yeah. that happens. So yeah, yeah. this has been terrific. We're, we're going to start to wind down here a little bit. So I have a few more, few more questions. First of all, there's one you didn't answer that I asked earlier on. Uh-oh. Who's the other Dawson? <laughs> oh, I forgot. And he would say that's normal. <laughs> <laughs> it must be your husband then. <laughs> it is. It is. It's Larry Dawson. And uh, he is the most amazing guy. He's my Naval Academy graduate. He was the boy next door in Florida. That's how I met him. And we we didn't even really, we're, we're not even really dating. And now it's been, uh, well, 40 years this April we'll be married. So congratulations. Now, yeah, I, do yes, ha- like I, each other. <laughs> I do have to make a comment and, and, and I have to tell him, you know, you, you've downgraded them a little bit because the D in Dawson is lowercase and yours is uppercase. So we got to, that's the goal, right? We got to get that uppercase D going. Just, you kidding. know, it's funny that you say that because when someone says, well, who's the small D? He goes, it's me. Be, 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 let's be clear. We have no question about that. It's definitely me. So it's we know who's in charge. You, it's funny that you pointed that out because that's exactly what he says. And honestly, I don't have attention to detail like that. When we were picking this logo, I absolutely loved it. And then someone said, what about that lower D? And I went, there's a lower D. <laughs> so I'm, I'm all about just the way it looks, you know, the, the quick look. And then everybody else was doing all the research on the lower D and the big D. And all, you know. But anyway, yeah, so no, it looks great. It looks great. Oh, I, I, had, like I had to make that comment, though. I love um, it. <laughs> so what inspires you to get up every morning and do what you do? I, I feel like crying when you ask that question. It makes me feel so emotional. Um, it's my family, you know, I love my family. Obviously we all do, but, um, I, my dad, an AV guy, you know, 21 years, hardworking, salt of the earth kind of guy. My mom's an RN, was an RN. Oh my gosh. They're just like salt of the earth, big Catholic family, you know, all that. I was raised to get up every day and do make it worth the day. Like if you get out of bed every day, you put your feet on the floor, you better get going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My dad used to make us all do exercises in formation when we were little kids. We laugh about that today, but it, it, but I that discipline came from them really. And um, once I'm successful at something and it feels good, I want to do it over and over again. And so that's why I'm super motivated. I love taking a company that doesn't know what they're doing as far as hiring and teach them how to hire and show them how that value can make such a difference in their lives. Almost like what you do with marketing, right? You know, just just have them have that that whole process down and for it to work and for the, that's just, that's, you know, better than winning a million bucks. It really is to me. Yeah. And I love, I love that your inspiration really comes from family, actually mine as well. And, and I have told stories about my, my mom and dad, but my dad was a plumber and uh-huh. started his own business, but, you know, had to drop out of school in the eighth grade to, wow. to help his family. He was the oldest of 13 and and wow. oldest male anyway he was number yeah. three in line and, and had to get to work and those kinds of things and yeah and uh you know he he taught us you know the value of of work and drive and, and yeah. money frankly i mean he had me yeah. out doing collections for his plumbing business when i was like 13 years old so you imagine a 13 him. year old angelo knocking on somebody's door oh excuse me God, i'm here to pay, collect the bill i would pay i would pay you a tip is what i would have done i would have been so impressed uh, you know, so, and I, and, and so to have all that background and experience much different than, than we'll say my own kids who, 
you know, want to work, you know, I have to say, you know, yes, here's some money, but you know, you got to yeah. get out there and get a job. I've, you know, I've known other families or kids don't work it, you know, yeah. until they they work out of college and those different experiences anyway, getting off topic, yeah. but, 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 but so on, that lo- note, on that note, Angela, I worked since I was 13 yeah. <laughs> in my dad's ice cream business. Always wow. worked from that moment until today. I've worked every single day, two kids, two, six weeks off for two kids. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, home. yeah. My dad, I think had me out, uh, doing a, a paper route, um, yeah. you know, earlier yeah. on, probably eight, nine, 10. And then I, yeah. girls didn't had, do that when they were, when I was young, boys had to do it. <laughs> boys had to do it. I mean, cutting lawns and shoveling snow and all the me, boys work. Know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I always wanted to do it, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and, and to me, it, I think it's that. And then seeing him as an entrepreneur my whole life, um, ah, you so know, good. that's, that's what we grew up with. And, and, and my kids are very independent and, and have taken okay. control of their own lives. And, and I think because they saw that their mom and I, you know, we grew a business together and all that kind nice. of stuff. Nice. So, um, well, I could keep going and uh, <laughs> I know we need to bring this to a, a conclusion. So why don't you take a few minutes, any, any parting wisdom for the listeners and then mm. tell them how they can get a hold of you. Mm, sounds good. Parting wisdom would be um, care about your people. That's it. Simple. Care about your people. Google that, find out how to do it and then do it. <laughs> Because they'll have a whole list of what to do. Because really, you you just need someone like me to find the person. But to keep them, you have to make sure that you're caring for them, however it is. And there's so much information on that right now that I would definitely Google it. I would hire an HR consultant. Again, I have got great referrals for that. And um, I really recommend it because that's what I did three years ago. And my team has been never been stronger than it is right now. And we're positioned to do exactly what we need to do. And, and you want to feel that way. So, so yeah. that's pretty much it. So the way to reach me, Google Dawson and Dawson Inc.com uh, or call me on my cell. Um, I'm sure something will be listed about how to reach me there, but that's 949-306-2909. Again, that's 306-2909. And I answer my phone, believe it or not. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, Kathy, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Very insightful. You know, there's so much going on in in your side of the business right now that, uh, and and I love your approach to business. And I encourage my listeners to, to give you a call or to let people know about you and your company. Big D, little D doesn't really matter which D they call. (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) And uh, call the little D, call the little D. (laughs) (laughs) We need a t-shirt for him. (laughs) We do. We do. I think I might get one now that you said that. (laughs) Well, again, thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate your time and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. All right. Thanks, Angelo. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Kathy, thank you again for stopping by the the cafe today. Man, I don't think we need to have any coffee. This was a really energized conversation. I loved it. Uh, It it was very exciting. Such great insights and and thoughts of what's going on out there in the marketplace and how people and employers can help attack this great resignation that's going on and really look for the right employee. We talked about culture and how important culture is in finding the right employee, right? It's not just about the skill set because you can be a, have a great toolbox, if you will, or a lot of arrows in the quiver, but not necessarily be the right person for a particular company because of what's going on. So I encourage all of you to 
be able to hold it, Kathy, if you're in the market looking for a position or need someone that you might want to help. And, and, and again, such great insights, great experience. And certainly you heard this today on the show, and I, I highly encourage you to reach out. And I want to thank you for stopping by and, and taking your time to spend that last hour with us. Now, if you're a subscriber, I want to thank you so much for, for your loyalty and to continue to listen to the show. If you're new to the show, I want you to become a subscriber so you don't miss any of the great content that you heard here today and on the other shows. We've been doing this now for into our fourth year. And so there's a lot of great information on the shows and the people, whether it's entrepreneurs or business leaders or all sorts of other things. Or frankly, even I have a few shows of my own where you can listen to me pontificate on lots of different subjects. So thank you again for stopping by and we'll see you here next week at the Business Growth Cafe. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.